Today on Broadway for Thursday, June 6, 2019, I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm Nomadic Wanderer Ashley Stevens. I did check. <laughs> nomadicwanderer.com is owned by hugedomains.com. Yes, James. we can buy it for a mere $3,000. But what about dot .biz? <laughs> Because that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> dot biz. Is, uh... I think I'm going to get you Ashley dot prom. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. I like, I like it. There, no domains found. So nomadicwanderer.biz does appear to be available Ooh, according nice. to who is. But um, uh, one thing I want to get uh, want to mention here before we get into the show proper it, I don't. I, I'm assuming that this is going to be a five-part series, but so far Hamilton has released two videos that are utterly charming. They are kind of doing mashups with best musical nominees from this year and Hamilton. The first one was with Hades Town. They mashed up "Wait for It" Aaron Burr's song with Orpheus's "Wait for Me." It was very good, featuring Kurt Crowley and Ryan Vasquez and Sherry Tay. And then just before we started recording, they did one with the prom, where they combined "You Happened" and "A Winter's Ball," and it featured Mandy Gonzalez and Jenny Harney Fleming. So I'm assuming we'll get the other ones. Um, I'm just trying to think of what they could do for Tootsie, but uh, then I have Beetlejuice and Ain't Too Proud, I'm sure. But um, so they're very charming. Check those out in the show notes. And also, we talked about a Celia Keenan Bolger podcast last week. We will talk about another Celia Keenan Bolger podcast today. This one comes from the Hollywood Reporter and, and uh, Awards Chatter, which is always a great one, a really in depth interview. James, I haven't listened to it yet. You recommended this one. Uh, any new insights from uh, SKB or CKB? Uh, a, a lot of talk about uh, her not getting light in the piazza. So uh, directly from her about what had happened there. I, I'd never heard, uh, you know, direct information about that before. A lot of uh, supposed uh, things like that. A great interview. Uh, Celia Keenan-Bolger, just wonderful, wonderful interview. And uh, I'm surprised that you're such a fan because I didn't know that she's from uh, that school up north. I can overlook small fault flaws in people. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I, I see. All right. So uh, first up in the news, um, Ashley, did you learn anything yesterday? I learned that Jesse Tyler Ferguson will be back on Broadway next spring. Excellent. Yeah. Yes, we all learned that uh, the the Broadway regular and modern family TV star will be returning to the Great White Way next spring in second stage's Broadway revival of Richard Greenberg's play, Take Me Out, to be directed by Scott Ellis. Of course, last week we discussed the fact that Grey's Anatomy star Jesse Williams will be playing baseball star Darren Lemming, while JTF will be playing Mason Marzak, a financial manager and an unlikely love interest for Lemming. The role was originally played by the always phenomenal Dennis O'Hare, and it won him the 2003 Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in a Play. Ferguson was last on Broadway, you will remember, in the one-man show Fully Committed all the way back in the spring of 2016, but hasn't been in a musical since he left the original production of 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, speaking of Celia Keenan-Bolger, yep, all the way back in 2006. But with Modern Family coming to an end following its 11th season next year and filming will have wrapped, I'm assuming, before Take Me Out starts performances at the Helen Hayes Theater on April 2nd, Maybe the next time we see Ferguson on Broadway 
it'll be in a musical. I, I think uh, it's a, it's long overdue. He's in a number of straight shows, both on and off Broadway, since he's been doing Modern Family. But we really haven't seen him in a musical sense. So I, I, I think it's time. I do, too. And uh, do you think uh, new musical, revival? What do you think uh, is – what would you like to see him in? I think I, I think just because he's been away from New York in the musical development process for a long time, he would probably be, be better to get either into uh, a revival or potentially replace, although he might be too big of a star to replace, because uh, it takes a long time to kind of bring a show to Broadway. If we're going to wait four or five years for a new show, okay, he's got the money to wait around now. But uh, I would imagine that if he's going to jump in feet first, it'll be in a revival of some sort. I've got a uh, kind of dream cast in my head of oh, okay. a that little show called Company that happens in London. <laughs> mm. yeah. Unfortunately, I uh, think he's going to be doing Take Me Out when Company comes. I know. Very sad. <laughs> uh, maybe he could do, uh, you know, a couple of months in as the king in uh, King George. Oh, that Hamilton. would be very good. That's Ooh. a very good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Because we talked about with Jeremy Jordan when he came back to Broadway yeah. uh, following um, American Son. But like he when he joined Waitress, it was it's hard to get into a new musical that quick as you've been living most of the year in Vancouver. Um, and he just hadn't been involved with the developmental process for any musicals. But he came into an already running show. Maybe the same thing could happen with uh, JTF. I would like that. Have you seen any production of Take Me Out or read it at all? I'm assuming James has. I, I have saw not. the Broadway production. I, I didn't see anything else. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. And it's, you know, three of my favorite things, theater, yeah. baseball, and queer stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to it at the same time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see. I, I, of the baseball shows that exist right now, there's also Tony Stone and, you know. Yeah, at Roundabout. Yeah, Take Me Out just happened in 2003. I'd kind of like to see Tony Stone transfer. If we're gonna... <laughs> and also, I mean, we're trying to push for Bull Durham. And yeah, are, gonna... we try... are we trying to push oh, for Bull well, Durham? I'm, I'm not pushing for Bull Durham, but somebody is. So a yeah. friend of mine was involved many years ago in a uh, musicalization of Field of Dreams. And I think <laughs> Matt and I had talked about... I don't remember this. Uh, we talked about the film Field of Dreams and how uh, I oh, can yeah. barely keep it together when I watch. Oh, I'm just well enough right now thinking about when the, he and his father go and play catch. Uh, and But, uh, you know, I like baseball. That's what I'm doing here. Hey, I see what you did. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> next up, uh, uh, Ashley, why don't you take the headline for number two? Uh, the new musical Lizzie that's been we've been talking about will not play off Broadway this summer as previously announced. Yeah. This one was a bit disappointing guys, because a lot of people were looking forward to it. One, because it's kind of a beloved cult show, mm -hmm. but also there was some fantastic talent announced to be a part of it. The musical takes a quote, hair raising, hard hitting rock star look at the life of famed accused, but acquitted 19th century axe murderess Lizzie Borden. It was supposed to take place at the Signature Center this summer from July 19th through September 29th, and it was going to star the 2020 Tony winner for Best Actress in a Musical, Eden Espinoza, as well as Sierra Renee, Hawk Girl, 
from Legends of Tomorrow, also leading player in The Witch and stuff on Broadway, uh, Carrie Sima and Shannon O'Boyle. However, in a joint statement, the producers of Lizzie said, quote, we are so disappointed that this production will not happen at this time. However, we hold out all hope for a production to come together at a future date. When you start using the words hope that a production will come together, obviously something fell apart less than two months or a month and a half early before production had first previews, which means two weeks before rehearsals were supposed to start. Generally, if something has not come together, that means money. Um, so I'm assuming that we've got this four woman rocking reinvention of a true historical tale. Didn't have enough money to make an off Broadway run. It got me thinking about a six woman rocking reinvention of a true historical tale because yesterday in mm. the Chicago Tribune, uh, the extraordinary producer Kevin McCollum talked about the musical that he is shepherding in the U.S. called Six, which we have talked about before. And he stayed appropriately vague about the show's potential move to Broadway after runs in Chicago, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, all before the end of 2019. He said things like, we'll see what the public wants. And I think that experiencing uh, this show in the theater makes for a very special evening and we're going to do our work, yada, yada, yada. Didn't commit to anything, but didn't say no to a potential Broadway run either. Now, a lot of people, myself included, um, I haven't seen the show, but I know I've listened to it, watched a ton of the videos. I kind of wonder if six is big enough or long enough to sustain a Broadway run, considering that it's essentially a 75 minute concert with, not much of a book at all. Um, mm. Ashley, did you see Six the last time you were in London? I'm not even sure if it was running when you were in London last. No, I didn't get to see it, but I listened to the cast recording enough times. I don't know that I see it sustaining a Broadway run. I, If they transferred it, I would have expected it to land off Broadway before anything mm -hmm. else. But I think it's got enough public backing there's a huge fan base for six that was kind of unexpected yeah we saw the same thing with be more chill and that's kind of been limping along at the box office so right uh, i think it, it it could be a tough sell but i just thought that there was some there might be some correlation not directly between the cancelization of lizzie and the potential of six coming sure. not that i think lizzie's producers or if investors pulled out to you know because of six but i just those shows are kind of similar in my head. So I just, I didn't, I wonder if there were any lessons to be learned from one or the other, but um, we'll see what happens. I, I've been saying for a long time that this, I think this would be a much better sell at new world stages than, I don't know, even the smallest Broadway house, but we will yeah. definitely have to see Kevin McCollum usually knows where to get his money in good. I can think of so many people I would want in a production, an American production of six for sure. Right. And one of the things they do in London is that they don't, they don't rotate the cast, but they replace right. cast members fairly quickly. So like I could think of, I don't know, four, five, six dozen actresses <laughs> that yes. I would love to hear sing that score. And you could get them all in over the course of a couple year run. So I, mm -hmm. maybe they'll do that. Maybe they won't. Uh, maybe they'll, it'll go to Broadway and close after two months. Who knows? I, I hope that's not the case because it's a, a fun, inventive, infectious show that uh, hopefully a lot of people will get to see in some form or fashion. Do you have any names that you're currently thinking of that you'd like to see? Um, other than Lady Gaga? No. Um, <laughs> sorry. Just throw her up for everything. Um, Always Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean – 
Abby Mueller is one of the queens in yeah. Chicago. I would love to see her sister. Hell, bring both, uh, bring all the Mueller's. That, that's fine. Um, bring all of them. Lena Hall. We've talked about Lena Hall. I think she would be great in this. I don't. I don't know it as well as you do, mm. but um, uh, I, I think just rotate all of the great age-appropriate Broadway divas through, and I'm good with that. It's good. I was thinking, you know, maybe on the young, like late twenties, early thirties kind of side, like Bonnie Milligan and Krista Rodriguez, Lauren Marcus, Pippa Sue, was, people like those that. Those are all good. All yeah. good. Although I think, uh, I, I think at least one, maybe two of those names are going to be attached to another genre era defying musical here mm. uh, uh, going to Chicago first before potentially coming to New York. So maybe we'll be talking about that at, uh, at some point in the near future. There you go. All right. With uh, Lizzie disappearing off the radar, I can't believe that everybody's not talking about Jamie. <laughs> so next up, we got a Tony Awards update. Uh, we do. We actually have three Tony Awards updates, uh, the first of which is a new batch of presenters, including Sarah Bareilles, Laura Benanti, Abigail Breslin, Kristen Chenoweth, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, whom we just talked about, Josh Groban, Denai Guerrera, Jake Gyllenhaal, Christopher Jackson, Shirley Jones, whom I assume is going to be introducing a very certain musical revival performance, Jane Krakowski, uh, Lucy Liu, Asif Manvi, Sienna Miller, Catherine O'Hara, Kelly O'Hara, no relation, especially when it comes to comic delivery, Anthony Ramos, Brian Stokes, Mitchell, Marissa Tomei, Samira Wiley, B.B. Winans, who is still trying to get his autobiographical musical on Broadway and more. But that's not all, because we also learned yesterday that the stars of the upcoming Broadway premiere of Moulin Rouge, the musical Karen Olivo, Aaron Tveit and Danny Burstein will be hosting the excuse me, will be hosting the Creative Arts Tony Awards. Now, these are the awards that the Tonys deem not important enough to go out on live air. So they do them while folks are still out coming in through the red carpet. And then they show clips of the acceptance speeches coming in and out of commercials, which is tacky. But finally, yesterday, we had the ceremony to honor the special Tony recipients, including the late Marin Maisie. In perhaps the best possible way, the speech that her husband, Jason Danieli, gave primarily came from speeches and interviews that Marin had given following her diagnosis of ovarian cancer. It was incredibly moving. Uh, Jason, of course, um, was wonderful and eloquent uh, talking about his late wife. We will have video in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. But if you watch, have tissues ready. All right. So uh, next up, we're going to wrap up Matt, Matt and Ashley's uh, Tony predictions. So Matt, take it away. All right. I'm going to get this first one out of the way, uh, uh, Ashley, because I, I, I have a feeling neither of us are going to necessarily feel super great about this first one. But let's start with Best Book of a Musical. The nominees are uh, my Ashley, another one of my Tony Omnibus episode guests, uh, Dominique Morisot for Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Scott Brown and Anthony King for Beetlejuice, Anais Mitchell for Hades Town. Bob Martin and Chad Begelin for The Prom, and Robert Horn for Tootsie. James, uh, what was the consensus over on TWOB? Uh, all of us picked uh, The Prom. Wow. Really? I don't remember that. Did you really? Yeah. All three of us. Best book of a musical. Are we talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Prom. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I don't remember that. I listened to the whole episode, but I don't remember that. Uh, Ashley, do you agree with them? 
You know, <laughs> I think it will come down to source material versus original story. The Prom, it's a show written in part about theater people, which, I mean, we love shows about ourselves. The Producers is still the most winning show in Tony history 18 years later. Uh, Town and A.S. Mitchell did incredible work combining the two myths and creating slash adapting a little of each, this world for the stage. I do think it will go to Town. I hope it will go to Town. I do not want to see it go to Tootsie. I fear terribly after the drama desks, though, it's going to go to Tootsie and everyone else seems to love Horn's book. But, you know, Town wasn't eligible, so we'll have to see what happens there. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's going to Tootsie. It's what I'm worried about. I'm, I'm very worried about it. Yeah. Hey, if uh, if um, Hamilton does and Tootsie get together, maybe they could do uh, Burn. Oh. Ooh, and just okay. Burn, burn the Tootsie just, script. Just burn the Tootsie. <laughs> just burn it from the stage. I yeah. like that. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to get letters. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, so uh, moving on to best right original to score. Yeah, we'll give you your uh, social media. Where are they going to send letters to? Santa Claus? Direct your complaints (laughs) to (laughs) nomadicwanderer.biz. All right. We've got best original score music and or lyrics written for the theater. The nominees are Be More Chill, music and lyrics by Joe Iconis. Beetlejuice, music and lyrics by Eddie Perfect. Hadestown, music and lyrics by Aeneas Mitchell. The Prom, music by Matthew Sklar, lyrics by Chad Begelin. To Kill a Mockingbird, music by this guy? Him, he Adam should not Gettle? be named. What? <laughs> it's and a choice. To- it's it is a choice. Uh, Tootsie music and lyrics by David Yazbek. And what's interesting is there are six nominees in this yeah. category, which means that there was, I, I believe, it's within three or four yeah. votes the uh, the last two places. So uh, somebody barely made it in and 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 brought that guy along with him and his terrible tweets. Um, okay, James, um, I, I believe that there was some dissension on this one as well with it, uh, this week on Broadway folks, right? Uh, no, it's uh, all three of us chose Town. Oh, okay. I know Peter did not Peter, uh, love the lyrics, but he Peter doesn't the, like the lyrics, the loves the music, okay. uh, but he's got problems with the rhyming structure or lack of rhyming structure at Town. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Poo poo for him. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm going Hades Town. I'm assuming you are as well. Oh yeah, it's Hades Town. Okay, that's good. We're moving on. It's an amazing <laughs> score, and I only slightly perturbed that we're not getting the whole album on Friday. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, let's move on to the four production categories. Best revival of a play. The nominees are All My Sons, The Boys in the Band, and this one is one of three in the category that if it wins will get a Tony for its author because the author is still alive and was not eligible for a Tony when it originally um, was up for a Tony uh, back in its, for whatever reason, it depends on uh, the reason, whether it's a rewrite or it never was uh, eligible for best play, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so let's do that again. All my sons, boys in the band with Mark Crawley, burn this torch song author, our author Harvey Firestein, who, because he's so, so much rewrote Torch Song from Torch Song Trilogy and then the Waverly Gallery for Kenneth Lonergan because that show never um, was eligible for best play uh, at the at the Tony Awards. So, James, uh, what was people what was the thought for this on this week on Broadway? Uh, Peter and Michael, the boys in the band uh, and I picked uh, all my sons. Hmm. OK. All right. Ashley, where are you coming down on this one? 
I think it's probably going to go to the Waverly Gallery, honestly, after the drama desks. Uh, this is kind of a more sentimental category to me than any of the others, probably. Torch Song was a piece I obsessed with growing up, and I'm also very attached to The Boys in the Band, which was a great production, a great cast, a hard ticket to get. Uh, they actually cast gay men to play gay men, which itself felt like a miracle. My brain kind of says, oh, it's the Stonewall 50th. Are people going to be playing into that as they vote? But I do think it will probably go to the Waverly Gallery. Well, what's interesting about this category is it is really hard to determine how voters will respond to the boys in the band. It ran so long ago that it seems to have been forgotten in almost every conversation and including with the nominators, because it only has two nominations, this one and for Robin DeJesus. But we can't get a sense of what other voters thought about it because it was such a hot ticket. Like you said, Ashley, the boys in the band didn't invite any other voters or nominators from any of the other awards. So we don't know. And while of course the drama desk and outer critics and all the other award ceremonies are not necessarily uh, congruous with what the Tony voters will say. Um, it does usually give us an idea when we see the results from the precursor awards. So it's hard to tell similarly like it is with Hades town and some of the categories it wasn't uh, eligible for, where people are in their minds as a larger group with the boys in the band. So I think it's tough to 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 really decide what you're going to do with that one. But a lot of I mean, it was so long ago and it didn't get a ton of nominations. I, I think that that's going to be a tough one. Um, Torch Song, while also a great show, had better reviews and a better response off Broadway than it did on Broadway. So I have to kind of rule that one out. Burn this. Sorry, Oliver, um, is kind of the uh, the black sheep of this group as far as I'm concerned. So for me, yeah. it comes down to Waverly Gallery or All My Sons. When the reviews came out, James, we talked about the fact that <laughs> everything other than the two probably most important reviews, at least in my mind, um, the New York Times and then Sarah Holdren loved it, raved about how great it is. But those two reviews didn't like it. So I'm not sure what to do with uh, All My Sons. The Waverly Gallery has a lot of sentimental value for a lot of people, uh, like you said, Ashley. So I'm going to probably go with the Waverly Gallery. But it took me a lot of mental gymnastics to come up with that one. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I I think it just, you know, especially with Drama Desks and Elaine May, I think it's got more of a backing than anything else. Yeah. All right. Uh, Best revival of a musical. There's not a lot of mental gymnastics that has to go along with this one because it's a 50 50 shot. Mm -hmm. Best revival of a musical. Kiss me, Kate or Oklahoma. James, um, what was the this week on Broadway discussion about? Uh, Peter and I love Oklahoma and we Mm -hmm. picked Oklahoma. Michael hates Oklahoma and he he pissed kiss me, Kate. (laughs) Really? But he. Almost wished he didn't have to vote in this category. Yes, I believe he did say he wished they had not even done a category. Yeah, wow. Uh, for this one. So, um, Ashley, where do you come down on uh, the traditional "Kiss Me, Kate" or the reinterpretation of Oklahoma winning this category? I I think you have to look at how. Uh, I don't see anything innovative with the "Kiss Me, Kate" revival, and I think. If you're going to look at both productions and see how they've been altered and brought into 2019, for better or for worse, if you like the show or hate the show, and how theatergoers are looking at both productions, I think it's 
a runaway for Oklahoma. I agree, except the fact that when it comes to those precursor awards, Oklahoma has not won a single best revival of a musical. Wow. Kiss Me Kate has won at least one. Um, they, they won the Outer Critic Circle uh, Best Revival of a Musical. Wow. The Yiddish production of Fiddler has kind of won everything else. Sure. Um, so you do have to kind of say, well, at least one group didn't pick Oklahoma. But we're not exactly sure what that means with this group. I tend to think that the Tony Awards generally reward the artsier shows more than a lot of the other groups, especially the drama desks. Um, so I, I agree that Oklahoma will and should win, despite the fact that I've been very open about the fact that about 15 percent of this show either confuses the hell out of me or angrily pisses me off. So sure. uh, I still think that Oklahoma is probably going to take this one. Do you mm. think that uh, given what we've seen over the course of th this award season that that next year Ken Davenport will do a Yiddish version of Oklahoma? <laughs> he could I don't certainly know. try. Uh, we, yeah, he'd have to uh, do a Kickstarter for it, though. Um, <laughs> he did something yesterday. He posted something about him. I guess he's a Tony voter. So he was filling out his yeah. his best mm -hmm. musical thing mm -hmm. with Michael in the bathroom playing. I don't know what that is. Was he is he standing be more chill and angry? He couldn't vote for that. I don't understand. But anyway, it's better not to get us off a of Ken Davenport uh, tangential here. But uh, anyway, OK, the two big ones here. Best play choir boy, author Terrell Alvin McCraney, the ferryman, author Jez Butterworth, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, author Taylor Mack, Inc., author James Graham and what the Constitution means to me, author Heidi Schreck. James, I, I believe all three of you uh, predicted that the ferryman would win this category, correct? Yes. Okay. Ashley, you and I had a long talk about it. Well, uh, about what the constitution means to me in the Tony omnibus episode, but also kind of talking about this award uh, as well. We both, I think at the time weren't necessarily comfortable picking a winner. That was almost a week ago. Mm. Where are you now? Not with your heart, but with your head in picking this category. <laughs> oh, well, you, as you said, I've already given my thoughts as far as Constitution versus Ferryman. And I love the Ferryman. It was probably my favorite experience of my last London trip when I saw it. At least my favorite part that wasn't Follies. But I'm so <laughs> team. <laughs> I'm I'm legally obligated to mention yeah, Sondheim at least I'm once every yeah. Yeah. At least once every 30 minutes. Sorry. But no, I'm I'm so team Constitution and so team Heidi Schreck's genius brain. I wish it would win. I want it to win. I think any other year it would have won. I And I'm still holding out hope for an upset. But my brain definitely says Fairyman. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. And, and again, this is not. A, a battle between like if, if it was what's the con what the Constitution means to me versus like Tootsie, if for some reason those are in the categories, those would be a, a really diametrically opposed forces for a lot of people. Well, I sure. don't think anyone who is rooting for what the Constitution means to me necessarily thinks that the ferryman is objectionable as a, as a winner. It's just that the importance of what the Constitution means to me for so many people, like we discussed uh, on Saturday's episode, um, is, is really driving that. And, and they think that it is so unique and important culturally that maybe that will carry it. But I, I agree. I think the ferryman is probably going to take home this award. And I don't 
think it's going to be close. I could be wrong. Um, yeah. But based off of what we've seen and all the other awards, I, it, I would be um, a bit bit shocked if uh, the ferryman didn't end up winning here. Sure. OK, the big one. Best musical. Ain't too proud. Beetlejuice. Hades Town. The Prom. Tootsie. James, uh, what say this week on Broadway? We split. Uh, Two thirds of the group went with The Prom. One third of the group went with Hades Town. Wow. Who, who, who was the one third going with Hades Town? Me. So, uh, just so the right person. I was just saying, so James was right. Yeah. Peter and Michael <laughs> were, were wrong. Uh, you know, I think that might be, I, I, Ashley, you and I, uh, I assume, are both picking Hades Town to win. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I wonder, I do wonder, and not to out anybody's ages, but I think that this is probably safe to say that anybody who listens understands that there is a, a little bit of a generational ladder going up with uh, Ashley uh, on the bottom uh, in terms of age and um, Peter uh, you know, uh, on the top end. And there's a variety in us kind of going all the way through with uh, Ashley, me, James, uh, Michael, and Peter. I wonder if maybe the love for Hades Town is a bit generational and is perhaps going to be reflected in the Tony votes. Now, I know they've tried to diversify at least the nominators, but I still think for the most part, the voters tend to be the same old white guys that we've seen in the past. So I, maybe that will impact it and we are overestimating how incredible we think Hades Town is, but I just, I can't imagine it not winning. I I can't imagine it not winning either, but, you know, I have to say that, did, did I say it to you or to some, I can't remember who I said it to, but I feel like the prom has got that underdog Avenue Q thing going for it right now. So Yeah, <laughs> but that was up against a, sh- a very different type yeah, of show. No, no, abso- no absolutely. I, yeah. I totally understand it, but there is like, the prom is the heart of Broadway right now. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, actually, I think you and I both love the prom. Again, this is like what the Constitution means to me Adore and, and Ferryman yeah. a bit, where I, I would have no problem with that winning if it wasn't for the fact that I think Hades Town is a once a, I don't know, decade might be pushing a little bit. I mean, I, it's mm. one of my favorite shows that I've ever seen. It was the sure. experience of seeing it. So I, I just, uh, I would be a little tiny bit heartbroken um, if it, if it didn't win, even though I don't take awards super seriously normally. No, I mean, neither do I. And I love the prom, like love, love the prom. There are, few shows that have ever made me cry from laughter harder than Brooks Hesmanskis and his We're All Lesbian shirt during the acceptance song. <laughs> and God, how I needed that show growing up. But you look at Town and just how complex musically it is, how unique it is, how layered it is. I can't imagine it not going to Hades Town, and I want it for Hades Town. I want it for Anais Mitchell. Yeah, I completely agree, and it's been interesting because I think Hades Town and The Prom have been the two most accessible shows this award season. A lot of people talk about campaigning and how important that is. I 
I think that's overstated a little bit. I, I don't necessarily think that the campaigning makes a huge difference in terms of like swaying votes. But what I do think makes a difference is being visible and being accessible. Between the prom and Hades Town, they have done a ton of appearances on television, on podcasts, on on radio. They've made a ton of content available digitally, especially Hades Town, because it opened so much recently. It didn't burn some stuff that maybe the prom had to since it opened back in the fall. They've had some great video features. They did one with um, uh, Rachel Chavkin and set designer Rachel Hauk going through the set. And it's just that kind of stuff that reminds voters about the intricacies of your show when they have so many different things to consider is important. Again, I don't think it's campaigning like shaking hands and glad handing and like, you know, giving them free stuff necessarily, but making the show fresh in people's minds is important. And I think both the prom and Hades town have done a great job of that where things like Tootsie and Beetlejuice and ain't too proud. have done a little bit, but not nearly as much. And I do think that that makes a difference. I think the prom, I, I think a lot of it's less to do with that kind of public kissing babies tour and more the accessibility of ticket prices for Hadestown. I, they're not as easy to get as the prom is. So less people have seen Hadestown. I think the prom kind of needed to do more of that public tour, totally. press tour kind of thing. Not only because they're the smaller show, because they're not selling as many seats, but they had their Macy's Thanksgiving parade that got a lot of negative <laughs> press. And but then also a had, lot of positive press, too. And a lot of positive press, myself included. And But they did have to bounce back from that. And they did, thankfully. Well, you know, we'll have to see what happens after the Tonys. But, mm. yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the prom is a classic musical comedy. It's something that's not really seen a lot of. I think most of the best musicals we've had of late have been more dramatic. I mean, look at Dear Evan Hansen okay. for one. Yeah. And this, the style of the music, I mean, you have New Orleans jazz in Town versus, again, classical musical theater. And you could look at even the band's visit, which was all klezmer music, and that was <laughs> that's a little bit less accessible to some people into the general right. public than something like the prom would be. Yeah, I, I think when you're trying to forecast these awards, and I know uh, our friend Oliver Henry Roth um, has his algorithms and all these things that he does, but it comes down to me and. Everybody has all these conspiracy theories around this time of year. Well, people are thinking this because so-and-so said this and did this, or they, they want to push this narrative. I don't think it's usually that complicated, but I think it is as you start with what's the best in each category. And obviously that's subjective. But if you think something is the best, that's probably a good place to start to pick something. Then you compare it to the precursor awards and see what you can learn from that. And then you look at the trends. The trends for best musical have been over the past decade to reward the more artistically ambitious shows. Now, sometimes that means they're smaller shows like Once or The Band's Visit. Sometimes that means they're big shows like Hamilton. But I think you would be hard pressed to say that any of those shows, Dear Evan Hansen mixed in, um, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, that those weren't more artistically ambitious than in their competition. I think one of the exceptions was Matilda, which I thought was more artistically ambitious than than Kinky Boots. But for the most part, those when it comes down to smaller and more artistic versus larger and more commercial, in air quotes, 
um, the artistic ones win. And and I think that's probably going to be the driving force because that's what Tony voters have shown us they want to see. Exactly. Well, I will I will foretell you something. If the okay. prom wins best musical, I guarantee you that Ken Davenport will revive the awesome 80s prom at the... (laughs) Boy. In Yiddish. In Yiddish. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWMatt. Ashley, where can people write their hate mail to you at? (laughs) If not nomadicwanderer.biz, you can find me on Twitter at KnowThisIsAshley. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. Friday morning, Matt and I are going to be with you a little bit later than normal because Thursday night we're not going to record. So uh, stay tuned to your feeds uh, about 9 a.m. Friday morning. We'll talk to you then. Mm 